We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime this Wednesday night. You might give this on Thursday night. Who knows? Tommy Avance. Tommy, how you doing, bud? It is a beautiful Wednesday evening out here in wonderful Los Angeles. How are you tonight, my friend? That was a bit of an awkward pause. When wonderful loss. Did you forget where you were? No. Or was it just, just for dramatic effect? Just for a dramatic effect. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> dramatic effect. Los Angeles. I'm doing all right. I'm tired, man. I am so tired. It's been that first week of school back and all the demands that come with it from athletic council meetings late at night to open houses to today. My, that's the first day back with kids and then cross country practice afterwards, get home just in time to tuck my kids in bed. And man, I am beat. But I'm ready to talk some football. We got a lot going on. Nothing major, but some things to discuss. But, uh, you know, the, the big one to me, the most important one, the one that takes it all is the Los Angeles Wildcats. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this is why I worry so much about focus groups and and all of these people making these huge decisions in life on this planet, right? Oh, it, yeah. it almost terrifies me even more. And I and I talked to you know Kevin Demoff in person about the uniforms and stuff, and didn't sweat it because he seemed to be on point about it. But you really these stuff it comes out after the fact. 
I'm still nervous, man. I will. I'll be nervous until the new uniform comes out because. It, it, why are you calling the XFL team the Wildcats, like Los Angeles? What what does a Wildcat to do with City of LA? I don't know. I mean, but that's the the executive decision making on so many. If you look at all the team names, man, it's just uh, you. Could, what seriously? This is what you came up with? But let's save that. That's gonna be the way we we exit the show because we have to laugh on the way out. I think because there's some fun to be had there with the. I mean, seriously, Vincent, man, if you were, if you, I can't. Be, I, I, oh, I got to hold on to that man. I, I gotta wait. That's gotta be yeah. Let's let's let's, let's 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 yeah. Let's let's save that bag for so, the end for sure. That I one's got gotta be. Okay, so there is some serious stuff to get to, in particular with Michael Kaiser. If you listened to the guys last night, butting heads, I got you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, they got some stuff on that with the injury reserve, and but we'll, we'll cover it. First things first, though, we do want to say this episode is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, his book Hollywood's team. We also remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, Spreaker. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Music. That really helps us out, gets us up the charts, and quite frankly, uh, it's we haven't been getting many reviews in this contest mega one, I think, until... 2030? I don't know. I mean, what do we have to do? We'll figure it out. Get some. Maybe we need to change the reward. Is that it? Is the $75 gift not enough? Maybe we need to do something else? What do you think? I could throw in a free Rams Uncensored t-shirt, too, if you'd like. We, we could. You know, we could. We could. They're going to be like, no, 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 don't do it. No. <laughs> um, what about a... Uh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll figure out. Rams Uncensored t-shirt. Well... It's a good show. I don't know if you guys heard last weekend. We had, it was another good one. So with this content, this is, how, this is how it works, though. You head over to Apple Music, leave a five-star review, send us an email at Rams1945, or you know what? You can just send us a direct message over at the Rams Talk Twitter page. Send it to us over on Facebook. Just leave a screenshot. That's all we need. That shows what you did. And let us know your name, too, so we can go ahead and give you a shout-out on the show. Other little things, hey, we got some good news. Dom has been released to the hospital. He had a nice big post today on Twitter. And I got I mean I have not been saying anything about it because it was it was not time and it was not my place to say anything about it at the time. But you know, the Rams did something really cool and I you know, you win we we have to do things with integrity, I really believe. You know, if the Rams we consider ourselves a journal a journal scout, right? We 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 consider ourselves a Obviously, we we cover this team. The guys in the staff are Rams fans, even Steve Ribeiro in his Tim Tebow jersey. But the reality is we do feel like we have a responsibility. Okay, responsibility to be true, to be objective when it comes to actually analyzing the team. What I mean by that is no matter how we feel as fans, if the team does something wrong, we need to say we they, they did something wrong. So uh, you and I both talked about, I think, for example, I think the Rams really found a way to botch that first year back in L.A. I mean, in so many different ways. I mean, but and that, I mean that's not an attack on them. I'm just giving an example of, of when we've said, hey, they, they, they're messing up. Fair? Yeah, I mean. Okay. Could have been better. Of course it could have. Yes. Okay. So, but. One thing that the Rams have always been good at is no matter where they are, they get into the community. They, when they were in St. Louis, they got involved all over in the Missouri area and St. Louis area. They went out to Joplin and helped clean up when the big tornado went through back in 2011. And now, as soon as they came out to L.A., they started getting involved in the schools. We've seen Andrew Whitworth donating bikes, things like that that are really special. Well, our guy, who's been just going through so much, over the last so many years, 15 years. Well, it just so happens that Rams social media saw my post on Dom being in the hospital, and they reached out to me. The Rams did. And they did a really awesome thing. They reached out, got his contact information, and before you know it, they have a video from Nikel Roby Coleman letting him know that the team is praying for him and, and cheering him on. And supporting him, and uh, most people really haven't talked to Dom, but Dom is a really sensitive guy. To that stuff, I mean, it means the world to him because he's felt alone for so long. And um, let's just say the dude was just in tears about it. So the Rams did something really great there. 
And this is what, to me, supporting a franchise means and them giving back. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to reach out to us. They didn't have to do any of that. And it was just a small but wonderful gesture on their part. So kudos to the Rams for just doing something really classy, looking out for their own. And hopefully one day, one day, Dom will be able to go out there and see a game without pain again. And that is our prayer for him. Well, when he does um, and he's able physically to come to a game without pain, I'm going to make sure he comes to a game without paying. I'll give him one of my tickets. And I'm sure he would be thrilled at that. So the update in him, though, I, I I know I need to update the GoFundMe. I've just been crazy busy. The guys and the staff here know how busy I am. They they mean they they know. Um, but the update in him is he has been released. He it looks like he has everything set up set to go to Seattle to, to take the next step in his hopeful treatment. Thus far, doctors on the West Coast have been unable to really diagnose the root problem. He has several things that are going on that have been plaguing him for 15 years, but what's actually causing the root problem, the deterioration, no one knows. There's a, I have a picture I haven't posted yet of his legs. There's a picture that shows of his, his legs all swollen that's up. There's also a picture where his legs are not swollen, but they've lost all muscle definition and everything. It's basically he's, his legs are like chicken legs. They're skeletons now. And that's what was one of the major reasons that he even wound up in the hospital is he could not stand and there wasn't a, he fell it was an accident. So, um, so keep him in. If you are the praying folk, he would really appreciate that. And, and, uh, thank you so much for that. Okay. So Micah Kaiser. Oh boy. You and I have been, you, we've both been high on him. We've both been looking forward to seeing what he can do as a potential starter. He was number one on the death chart and a pectoral injury against the Cowboys. I got to tell you, man, that one was a shot right in the gut to me. I mean, a shot in the gut. What were your thoughts? Uh, I kind of shrugged my shoulders and just kind of, I don't know. I was lethargic about it, I guess you would say. Because over a long stretch of time, the Rams have stunk and things like this always kind of happen to us, right, at this time of year. Mm-hmm. You get all fired up about the season and Bradford goes down again. You know what I mean? Or just anything. Well, anyone that could throw a wrench, chuck the wrench right into our hopes and dreams every off season. Um So I wasn't surprised. It is what it is. I hardly wanted to see him get his opportunity to play. But when one man goes down, there's opportunities. And I don't know how much you paid attention to the game this weekend, but I watched really closely. Um, I watched positions. That's what I do in the preseason. If you don't, it's pointless. So I watched the positions of need, and I stare at the screen at those positions the whole time, no matter what side of the ball is out there. So I completely stared at the middle linebackers the whole game. And the offensive line the whole game. I didn't watch anything else really because it didn't really matter. Um, and what I saw is Dakota Allen is as advertised. I'm very impressed with his effort, his instincts, and his bravado. He was out there swinging. He was out there hitting. He looked like a middle linebacker, and that gave me a little bit of hope. Now, when it comes to Dakota Allen, though, he got his history of linebacker. You looking at the actual draft, you know, the draft stuff on him. The NFL.com, Lance Zergerlin had him as a guy who should be in camp, undrafted. Other sites had him as a fifth round pick. Jake Ellenbogen from Downtown Rams graded him out as a second round pick, and he was talking about that the other night on our roundtable. And I, I was sitting there thinking. Dude, what? Second round? I look at my looking at film with him kind of I was thinking fifth, sixth, seventh. And it's really you know, there's a certain speed element there. What are you seeing in him in term in terms of where he fit? And the reason I'm asking that is because again, he didn't play against the Cowboys starters. He was playing against their second, third, fourth teamers. No, he did. You're right. And but he was also playing against other professional football players on the same level as him correct correct 
And did he stand out above all of them? Kinda. That's a good he thing, did, right? To a large degree. I mean, he did. He he stepped in there and got the job done. I Definitely. would love to see him start or at least get in there in the second quarter um, this week. I'll be at the game. Now that Mike is out, he's going to get opportunities. I'm sure Bryce will start, and he'll be out of there by the end of the first quarter, maybe less, because now we lost Micah. They're not going to risk their backup, who is now on paper the starter. I don't agree with it, but it is what it is for now. So Dakota, guys like Dakota and Howard are going to get some more opportunities. I like what I see um, out of them. Also, Natres Patrick. Um, we have some decent linebackers. They could do worst-case scenario. You take Clay Matthews, you put him at middle linebacker, and you put either Oboe or Ibukam at outside opposite of Fowler, and you go. I mean, or you run a lot of big nickel, and you put Taylor Rapp out there. Who cares? Like, we have a, so many good football players on our team. I'm not going to panic about this. Because I mean, they're going to be honest. Micah Kaiser hasn't done shit in the NFL. Excuse my French, but he <laughs> hasn't. Right? So, yeah. It's not the end of the world. I just, I'm bummed because I, I'm a fan of his. So I wanted to see him get his turn. Well, he's been, you know, the, the traditional kind of grooming for a year, step in, and it looked like he was kind of starting to, to find his place. For him, at least. It's not looking good. I mean, we're talking, I think, personally, they're not saying it. It's To me, it's you're out for the year kind of injury. He's on the injury reserve list. We'll see what happens. I think he's out for the year. But I'll, I'll pull those quotes here in a second. One other note in relation to how the Rams are going to do this. You mentioned a big nickel. I think they're going to have to play some big nickel. Now, you know, you mentioned Natres Patrick. They just moved him outside because there's been injuries there. I don't see them moving him back in. It's, it's, I think it's pretty clear right now that Patrick's going to make this team unless he falls apart in the next two weeks. Is it pretty clear at your point at this point? Um, I have to go through. I'm going to look at evaluate every position, and it just depends on how many players from each position the Rams want to keep. You know, some some teams keep six wide receivers, some keep five, and vice versa on all the other positions on the team. So that plays into a factor, right, as far as roster decisions for the active roster on game day. So we'll see. But there's a lot of I, there's a lot of players that are not going to make this team that, that were already on this team, in my opinion. Yeah, I think we're going to see a turnover of players. And another thing the Rams have to think about when looking at the cuts that are coming up is they – can't let guys go that they know will get taken off the practice squad. So if they, if even if they wanted to put Natres Patrick on the practice squad, he's not going to last there. Someone's going to take him, so they're going to have to put him on the team fifty-three man roster. But can somebody else get away with it? Probably, probably. So that's those are the things they have to think about on on Kaiser himself. Here's what McVay had to say in Tuesday's press conference. A quote on on Kaiser's timeline. There is no timetable on that. It's a pretty significant injury, though. So he's going to be out for a while. And uh, asked if he expects Kaiser to be back later this season. Quote, it's hard to say right now. I think a lot of that is predicated on exactly how he's recovering from all that. But it is a significant injury. And as far as that timetable, it's going to be a while. To say a specific timeline, I can't say right now. When I'm hearing things like that, I'm reading between the lines. And to me, what I'm, what I'm hearing there is he's not back this year. And even if that's not what he's saying for me, that's what I'm seeing there. Because you can only come back at certain points off the IR this season. If it's that significant that he's going to have surgery, you're two weeks away from the season, my gut tells me we won't be seeing Michael Kaiser back in Rams uniform this year. I'm not sure how you're reading that. I mean, either way, at this point, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just frustrating for him, most importantly. The poor kid was finally going to get his opportunity, and he tears his pectoral muscle, which is one of the weirdest injuries I've ever seen. How do you even tear your pec? You know what I mean? I've never understood that one. Well, well I mean, it's not, they're, actually, they're not actually saying it's a pectoral tear, but it's, to me, it's pretty clearly is. But they're not saying it's official. It's a pectoral injury. Well, if you have surgery on it, 
it's probably a tear. Yeah, because what other injury could you have to your pec? A bruise? I mean, what else can you do to it? it you well, can only tear the muscle. You can't. I mean, what else could you possibly physically do to that muscle? <laughs> I, just had a, I, I just had a really um, morbid thought, but you know what happens. You know, if you never mind. Okay, so <laughs> here we go. I think he may have figured out what popped through my head. So, in terms of bringing veterans, and this is something we did talk about earlier this week, especially with the the crossover show. What about veterans and? Something they had a quote on that as well. He said, I wouldn't say bring in a veteran. I would say that whether it be any position on our team, we have a lot of confidence in Bryce, and that's Bryce Hager, and some of these younger players to say that we're going to go outside to look for an answer right now wouldn't be accurate. But we're always going to be in the position of hyphen, whether it be when it gets to cut downs or guys become available, if we feel like it's something that can upgrade our roster and create a competitive situation. Not exclusive to that linebacker spot, but really any line, any spot. Those are things that Les and his group and our coaching staff are always looking at. So it looks like, yeah, they'll keep their eye open at it. They'll look if there's something there they may consider, but they're looking in, indoors right now. They're looking inside the organization. And that puts things right back to what we talked about. Yeah, how many how many years do you think it'll take for Sean to wash off the coach, the coach speak? Um, you know, and just start to, I mean, he's in, he's going into year three now, right? So what do you think? If you were to roll the dice year six, seven, maybe he'll start to loosen the collar and be himself Uh, a little bit more. I think once he wins a Super Bowl, we'll see it. Because at that point, what are they going to do? You know, once you win a Super Bowl, you'll find a job somewhere else if something goes wrong. You know, once you've won it once, Whoa, you'll get a second shot. Settle down with the job somewhere else. Noise. I'm just that's saying, though. I'm, that. Well, that's usually what, <laughs> that's usually when a person. What I'm saying is, I, typical listen. American behavior: always looking over the fence at what well, else is better for me. That's no, what we that's all do. Right? Not what I'm saying. I'm not, to me, there's no better place right now to coach a football team than with LA with that new stable opening up, and that and you have that core of players that you could even if. The cap's going to be a problem. You can still build around guys. You know they're going to be there. But in terms of, let's just say, heaven forbid, things go south. And I don't think they will. I mean, he's they've done a great job. And they've done a great job building a new culture very quickly there. But let's just say, heaven forbid, that happens. Okay? As long as it gets that ring, at that point, you can say a lot of things you never would have said before. No one's going to care because you've got a ring. I mean, seriously. So, I mean, let's just think back to, uh, let's go Rex Ryan. Pretty much anything Rex Ryan says, we usually just roll our eyes at it. Okay, right? We yeah. just kind of laugh at him. We just I roll like our eyes. I like Rex Ryan. I like he him. Makes me laugh. Yeah, he's funny, but <laughs> you know, you you don't take him all that seriously because you know he's full of crap sometimes. But yeah. I mean, and every I can go now to compare that to Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick was a class at class A bleep bleep. I'm serious. For Cleveland, the guy was a jerk. He was not a, a person guy. He was not a, a a player's guy. Okay, never was. He never has been. But he found his niche with the Patriots, and now the guy walks on water. Is he really all that different than he was in 1992 when he took over the Browns? No. He learned how to be to manage some of his vices. Some, but he's still a jerk, just like Rex Ryan could be a jerk. Doesn't matter. He's got the rings, and people trust him. Yeah, that's got to – I got to be honest with though, man. The way Bill's face is on the, at the podium, I love it, and I can't stand the Patriots. But when he's at the podium, when he's looking at the reporters, he just looks around, and you can tell he's saying to himself, I've been asked the same stupid questions for over 20 years. Yes. Let's get and, this over with. But <laughs> Well, I mean, come on. Look at – if you look at the current landscape of American journalism right now, whether it be political journalism, sports journalism, I mean, and I can tell you because I've been working in journalism for almost a decade now, just kind of on the periphery doing Rams talking before that contributing to Yahoo Sports and other places. Tommy, you've you've seen it on TV, you've read articles, you've there are. A lot of sports journalists who don't know what the bleep they're doing or what they're talking about. And it usually gets exposed by these coaches who are smarter than everybody else in the room. Yeah, there's a lot of people that go into fields 
you know, when they're young and they want to go to college and like, I want to be a sports journalist, but I don't watch sports, but it sounds like fun. Those are the ones that they get their eyes rolled at. They're also the ones who sometimes will say the most ridiculous things and somehow get a job. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea really what's going on in the sport. They don't understand the periphery of it, but yet they'll get a job. And so (laughs) I look at Bill Belichick and he's like, dude, you seriously that's <laughs> the look on his face but we're, goes, we're i mean it goes with everything in life it's not what you know it's who you know bottom line that's why i always tell everybody man i was told this by my grandfather growing up you better be a likable person because you're not going to get anywhere in this world if you're not and there's a lot of truth to that i think there is and that's something that even me as an adult as i've gotten older I've had to learn because I, I honestly, if I was if I was telling the truth, I'm not the most. I'd say my personality sometimes a bit abrasive. I we have a lot of people are like that, and then you have to learn to get along with people. You have to learn to be nice to people. You have to. That's how you get ahead. It's not always how intelligent you are. It's not how always how articulate you are. It's not always how much knowledge you have of something. It's your ability to to get along with people and get in with people. That sometimes will get you ahead, and in sports journals we see that so often. So you don't, I don't blame Bill Belichick or anybody for looking at him going, "Yeah, dude, come on, stop it." It's just, are you serious? Yeah, it's it's got to be frustrating. I see it all the time, and and Sean's you know the young new coach, full of life, getting an opportunity, so he's more than happy to answer everyone's questions. So I'm sure. The Los Angeles media loves Sean because he never gives anyone a hard time. But he does He does get mired in the Jim Trestle-esque coach speak. But coming back to that, though, that coach speak we're talking about, what did you make of that comment concerning bringing a veteran versus uh, the, the idea of finding someone within the team? It sounds like he said what everyone expected him to say, which is the diplomatic thing, right? It's a possibility. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. That's basically what I got from it. But that's basically what I get from all these guys, you know, because I've been watching the game my whole life, playing the game, studying the game, studying the coaches, human behavior, you name it. It's nothing new to me. It's just watching reruns every year when well, coaches it is are at the podium. It is nothing new, but, you know, this is what's going to happen, okay? This is what's going to happen. They're going to go out there this weekend against the Broncos, and if – those middle linebackers that are inside there just get run over and do jack. Those first cuts that come, they're looking for players. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah, of course. If they go in there and handle themselves, they're going to be patient and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. Fourth preseason game comes through, and they blow it then, and, and you've got nothing. They're going to go one more shot the waiver wire. I mean, it's it's just... You know, it's just how things go. You're going to see how things go. You're going to see how it perform. If they get blown up right to the phone lines and how it's happened, you want to keep it internal. You don't want to pay anybody else any money. You want to keep your own guys. If your own guys don't do the job, then you got to find somebody else. Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to get cut that's going to be, you know, valuable to us, right? There's a lot of, you know, above average middle linebackers out there that are going to lose their job to a younger guy. Um, also, we have the ability to trade for somebody at that position as well. Worst case scenario, we are deep at other positions that maybe other teams are lacking, and we can make a little trade. I'll give you a DB. I'll give you a, some of my wide receiver depth since we have the deepest wide receiving core in the league. I'll give you my fourth wide receiver for your second uh, middle linebacker and a pick. Here you go, boom. So yeah, if the money works, that may just happen. Other things going on as well. Trayvon Young is still dinged up. He's a guy they're kind of watching. They like him. But they had to move Patrick outside to kind of cover for him. We'll see how that works in terms of long term. Patrick has been looking good thus far. Other things as well. This is this was actually an interesting quote because we've been kind of watching Jamil Demby quite a bit since since he they brought him back. And there's a quote from yesterday's press conference that caught my eye. And actually, Rams Wire went and wrote an article about it, too. So I want to know exactly what you think Sean was saying here. Because I'm curious in terms of... I'm not sure how to take this. I don't I don't think it, it is exactly what some people are taking it as. Here's a quote. 
This is on Jamil Demby playing various positions, and if he expects it to be the case, the next two games. And this is what Sean McVay says. He says, I think it stresses those guys. If you see it, it ends up being difficult. But I think over the long haul, this isn't just to see how they perform in this one game. This is to try and develop an understanding from a big pitcher standpoint that enables you to have some versatility when it comes to playing both guard spots that center. The more that you can do, especially when you're trying to fight to make a name and find a role for yourself, the better you have a chance of being on the 53-man roster, quote there, and having yourself potentially active on game day. I think Coach Cromer does a great job of being able to develop these guys. Jamil is another guy that I think we expect a lot better from him than that, especially when he is playing that center spot. Those are things that we know by design stress those guys, and that is kind of the approach. So how did you take that quote? Because wrapped up in all the explanation of what they're expecting in terms of versatility, there's that quote at the bottom where he says, Jamil is another guy that I think we expect a lot better from him than that, especially when he's playing that center spot. How did you take that? I take that is he needs to step it up because he looks soft out there. He's getting pushed around like he's in the schoolyard and he can't stand up for himself. It's embarrassing. How can you be that big of a human being and be that soft? His arms look like mine, and I'm 41 and I haven't gone to the gym in years. Okay, give me a break. You're a kid. Go work out, lift the weight, or do something, you lazy bum. Seriously, dude, I, I, I'm hard on these old linemen now. They're all fat and lazy, don't work out, arms jiggling. They're like 20 years old. Are you kidding me? Look at Roger Saffold when he came into the league. Same thing. Big ball of dough, right? He didn't look like he hadn't worked out his whole life. His arms were just swinging in the wind, his little triceps, you know, hanging. And then by the time he got to Los Angeles, you saw him in, you know, Muscle Beach. You couldn't even pinch the dude. He was so buff and so ripped, right? He stepped it up. He got back in the gym. He straightened it out. Um but you can't teach toughness. It's just who you are as a person, right? I mean, look at guys like Greg Robinson. I did not want that clown on my team at the second pick whatsoever, sitting on the clock watching the draft with my brother. And I'm like, if they don't take Khalil Mack right here, I'm going to break the TV. And they, t- they, took the, they took the pick of need that stupid teams do all the time. We need a left tackle, so we're just going to take one. Listen, never do that, okay? Just take the best player available, Okay. We might not have Khalil Mack right now because we would have had Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. Can't pay them both. But, man, we would have got a lot of first-round picks for Khalil Mack when we traded him somewhere instead of the Raiders doing it, right? I mean, true that. Uh, my my thing on Demby, though, the kind of it's, it's actually annoying to me because Demby was a guy that when they drafted him, one of the main core reasons they drafted him was supposed to be his physicality, really his strength. His, his physical strength was off the chart. And so for things to change within a year, year and a half, I wonder if he'll make this team at this point. And that would be I – w- I mean, it wouldn't be surprising anymore. They let him go last year. But that would be ridiculous for a guy who, who I believe would eventually be a contributor here and he's just not living up the expectations. No. What playing football for as many years as I did, what I learned on the football field is that it's a war out there and you're only as tough as you believe you are. And that's the bottom line. You could be the smallest guy in the field and you can go out there and mentally intimidate your opponent just by the way you carry yourself and handle yourself out there verbally and physically. It's for people that have never played the game before. I'm telling you right now, it is not for the faint of heart. You get out on that field, and it is cl- as close to a war. And not just a physical war, but an emotional war because the verbal banter that goes on down in those trenches will cripple most people. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's rough. So these kids that grow up playing football since they were little kids because their pops or whoever pushed them into it, even they might make it all the way to the NFL like guys like uh, Demby has, right? But once you get to the big dance, it's the elite of the elite, the top 1,500 in the world. And these guys are fighting for their lives out there. And it is no joke. Mic'd Up is my favorite show. It always happens because I want to hear what I used to hear. 
right? That's what fires me up. I want to be involved. I want to be out there and hear everything that goes down. Aaron Donald is so quiet and humble, and on the field, not so much. But if you don't watch Mike Up, you wouldn't know that. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Hey, the the Rams just drafted some guy because of how strong he is. I'm saying overall, they were impressed with his physicality. So he gets the NFL, and he he becomes what they didn't want. They wanted a guy who was strong, physical, can push people around. He gets the team, and look what happens. So my question is, and this is an honest question because you know, I, I'm not in the hell every day. What the heck happened to Jamil Demby from the day he was drafted by the Rams to now? I'll tell you. It's this simple. Big fish, little pond. Now he's the little fish in a big pond. Small school, not the greatest level of elite competition. And that's not always the case. I mean, guys come out of small schools all the time and come to the NFL and tear it up. So that's not... You know, a stamp on anyone that if you go to a small school, you can't be good. That's ridiculous. Look at Cooper Cup. Okay, but yeah, he's just not a tough guy. Not all the way. He was tough enough to get to this point, but that's pretty much it. And unless he could flip that switch somehow and physically get in better shape and mentally, more importantly, get in better shape because it's his mental game that's messing with him. He doesn't. He's not popping his collar. He doesn't think he's badass. That's his freaking problem. That's the problem with most guys out there. I played with a ton of them. They're terrified. Some of them, some guys get in, you know, into football and they don't want to play. Their fathers just made them play, and they go out there and they get annihilated and embarrassed because they don't want to be there. It's not for everyone, right? Wait, are you saying you think Jamel Demi doesn't want to be there? I'm saying that anything's possible. Right? Anything's possible. Ryan Leaf was one of those players that grew up being forced to play football. He's admitted it. He didn't want it, dude. He didn't want it. Okay? And when he got to become an adult and make his own decisions and and finally get to the NFL, he kicked his feet up and said, Dad, you can't control me no more. Peace out. It's just the way it is. It's it's life. We need to make sure that we remember these are human beings. They're not just athletes, and we're not just fans of them. we got to remember they're people, and there's all kinds of emotional issues and and being forced to do things you you don't really want to, but you don't want to stand up to your parents. There's all kinds. It, it, it's like it's psychological, man. Uh, you it know, really is. I agree it's probably psychological. I'm not sure – that's the situation. Well, to me, if he, if at this point, if he wanted to leave the game, he could have at any point. You know, he was, he was let go. He's back in the free agent market, and he had his shot to go. So, but he's back. For me, you know, you, when you're going against in practice people like Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers, those guys, if they beat you, and you're a young guy who's trying to make your place. And you can imagine some of the wars are taking place. You know, I mean, that can, if you let it, that can wreck you mentally. Some people aren't, like you mentioned it, you said the words, mental, mental toughness. If you let these guys get in your head, then all of a sudden you start making mistakes all the time. And all of a sudden you're thinking about what you're doing instead of just playing the game. And that will always leave you a step slower, at least a step slower. And if you're a step slow against some of the best in this league, you're in, you're in trouble. Yeah, remember? Okay, let's use the kid from Stanford that was on the 49ers, the lineman, that got bullied out of the league by Incognito. Perfect example. Not Jonathan mentally Martin. tough. Yeah, not mentally tough. Doesn't belong playing football. Doesn't. I'm telling you, it's not for everyone. If you're sensitive, if you get your feelings hurt easily, stay away from football, please, because you are going to have a rough time. Now, there's a it, lot of trash talk that goes on out there. There's a ton between teammates during practice, for that matter. But in fairness, just just in fairness, it's also possible anything. It could be there could be injuries involved. There could be other. There could be confusion learning the scheme. Like if you're moving back and forth between different positions, that would be a different problem. So it might not be anything we're talking about now. It could be a straight football issue. We're going to find out because. He's out there again this weekend. They are expecting to be able to move between positions. They're expecting him to have the brain to do it. Let's see what happens. Folks, 
We do want to talk to you about our sponsor, Jim Hawk. He's been an amazing partner for us over the course of two years. And it's about his book, okay? His book, Hollywood Seeing Grit, Glam, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It just tells the story of the 1950s Rams, the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was the offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. And read about plays like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. In this story, spend the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic format at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywoodsteam through various other booksellers on the internet. Oh, and it's just two weeks away now. That book is out on paperback, and a lot of people like the paperback version, so you can get them. I've read it cover to cover. It's a really good read, especially if you're into history, especially if you want to know more about how this team got entrenched in L.A., how it became a team that filled that stadium to 100,000 people. Yeah, that actually happened once. Okay, it was the rumors of the Rams not having a fan base and so on and so forth. No, they filled that place at one point. Am I wrong, Tommy? Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day when people actually cared about going to sporting events. Now so, it's a popularity contest. <laughs> Well, that is, you know, LA's become, to me, LA's become a huge sports bar thing. But no, we'll go back. To, let me finish this. So there you go. Check it out. Hollywood team. You messed me all up, man. So read the, I've read this book cover to cover. It's worth every penny. Check it out. Hollywood team. Grit Glamour in the 1950s. Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. And don't forget that it benefits Homeboy Industries. Great opportunity to help others. Check it out. Speaking of old time Rams. Tommy, we had the passing of the long, the, the oldest living Los Angeles Ram. Jim Hardy passed away a couple days ago at age 96, played for USC, played for the Rams, was the core competitor for Bob Waterfield when they played USC, US, you know, UCLA. And uh, we want to send our condolences to the family out there. He had a very interesting article that was written by NBC Los Angeles back in 2016. He did an interview with them. And there's a couple really interesting quotes that I wanted to share with you. It's been a quotes episode, sorry. want to kind of get some information straight to you. And in this article, he talked about what it meant uh, for the Rams to come back to L.A. And this was, it was prophetic. It's absolutely prophetic of what he had to say. Check this quote out. I think it's pretty freaking cool. I'm glad to see the Rams come back. They were an organization, ownership, and talent-wise that has changed a lot. But I'm glad to see the Rams come back to L.A. because it's a good football town. People support the team, and they'll be home here in the Coliseum for a few years, and then they'll go to their own stadium in Inglewood. I think they'll prove to be one of the best teams in the NFL. Talk about prophetic. It took about a year and a half, and that's what they became. So, Mr. Hardy, hats off to you. One last quote that he that he gave, and that was about segregation, the age that he played with the Rams. I want to. I do want to share this quote with you because it kind of tells you the kind of person he was. And this is from the again the NBC article. He notes that. In relation with Kenny Washington, Kenny Washington was his best friend back then. For those of you who are new to the fan base, Kenny Washington was one of the players for the Rams that rebroke the color barrier in the NFL because it was illegal for 12 years. And uh, he, they became best friends. And he talked about spending time with Washington. And here you go. He said, we, when we would go out of town, Kenny and those guys would take me with them, remembered Hardy. They took me to Harlem, the black bottom in Detroit, all the black neighborhoods. I became friends with black entertainers, and I had a ball with them. Quote, listen, this caught my attention. Those of you guys who know me, I'm a history teacher. I teach this stuff all the time. Matter of fact, I teach about the Rams and, and the desegregation of the NFL in my American pop culture and sports history class. This quote is very unique. It shows a lot about Jim Hardy as a person, his character. Because I guarantee you, in the days of segregation, 
regardless of where you were. If you're a white dude, you weren't going out in town with African Americans. It just wasn't something you did for most people. And he did it. He went to their neighborhoods. And um, by doing so, obviously, he's helping. He, he, he was one of those people who clearly welcomed Kenny into the NFL as, as an African-American man. That's pretty freaking cool, man. That's pretty freaking cool. So I normally would defer to Tommy here, but Tommy, if I bring up history, he just kind of gives me a middle finger. So Jim Hardy, rest in peace. Great story on it for him and his future, for him and his past, and we appreciate um, the courage it took for him to be a part of something wonderful. Finally, we have to do it. We have to do it. Tommy, you ready for this stuff? Yep. The XFL announced their teams and colors today, and let's just say, what the crap? Are they freaking serious? I mean, I mean <laughs> all of it. Okay, so let's focus in on <laughs> the LA team. They're called the Wildcats. They their colors are orange and <laughs> red. They look almost like USC. The kind of the framing of the colors, and <laughs> so bad. What the? F- <laughs> God, <laughs> you just, almost dropped the death bomb. That's how bad it is. Nonsense. You better calm down. There is no. There are no wild. Is there a freaking wildcat out in L.A.? I mean, are there any kind of wildcats out there? We have, what like, the? four cougars, and they all have uh, those necklaces on them so we could track them so we can run on the freeway and get Jeez. shit, dude. That's about it. The whole thing is ridiculous. Okay, and and it continues. The Dallas Renegades, you can look at their logo, their name. is very reminiscent of the arena team they had there before. Okay, the Houston Roughnecks logo is basically a modernized ripoff of the, of the Houston Oilers logo. I'm serious. Look at it. It is. You see it? Yeah, I I'm laughing because I don't know all the team names yet, so you're rattling them off. Yeah, Houston Roughnecks. Are you freaking serious? You just said the Roughnecks. Okay, so there's the New York Guardians, and that, that logo. Oh, that's so nerdy. You know that some a comic book nerd made that up, too. Okay, so the, but check this out. The New York logo, New York Guardians, it looks like a cross between a sphinx and a saber-toothed tiger. Okay, so <laughs> it, what the crap is this? The St. Louis Battlehawks? And they have <laughs> a sword pointing straight up. With these metallic-looking wings and nothing else, it actually looks like a soccer emblem to me. The St. Louis Battlehawks? This is what you got? What's a Battlehawk? Is it a hawk with uh, chainmail? I don't know. Okay, so here, here's the next one. Check The Seattle Dragons. And it has the a picture of a... Basically, a 1980s color-looking dragon with the deep, with a dark, dark green, which fits the Seattle colors, and the brown kind of ribbed back. The, the colors are like the, the, the mid-2000s Seattle Sonics colors. It's just a rip-off of their colors. I'm serious. The Tampa Bay Vipers. A, why the heck would you put a team in Tampa Bay? No one's going to watch that. They're not going to go to those games. They don't no, even go they to don't the need, Buccaneers they don't even games. Go to the pro, the other pro sports games. No, this. I mean, they don't go. They don't. Go, I mean, I'm not going. The Rays games have their own issues. That's a stadium issue. The, but they don't go to the, the Bucks games for darn sure. That logo is basically a big V that is supposed to look like kind of two snakes, but they don't. It's kind of I don't know. It looks like a kind of an arrowhead. And then the other one is a DC Defenders. It has two, it has like a shield, kind of almost like a soccer thing again, with two lightning bolts going crisscross each other and three stars. This is, this, this is how you're going to market your, let me, Tommy, let me get let's, this straight. Hey, okay, because there, there's so many bad things about all of this. Let's, let's squash the uniforms and the names because we know those are garbage, and that was funny, right? But let's talk about why Vince is doing this now, Okay. Vince is in his 70s. He's getting ready to hand over the reins to WWE to his son, daughter, and his son-in-law, Paul Levesky, a.k.a. Triple H, and let them run the company. Um, but he's they got a lot of competition right now, not just you know the XFL Part 2, 
but a new wrestling company called AEW, who's basically a bunch of wrestling guys that didn't want to work for Vince or Triple H anymore. And the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars son is the owner of AEW. He said, Dad, I want to start a wrestling company. I love wrestling. Here you go, son. Open the checkbook. Have fun. So now Vince has real competition again for the first time in 20 years. Not just in in, in football, but in wrestling. So his back is against the wall. He's going to have competition on TNT in October. First time, 20 years. Dude's panicking. Why is he bringing the XFL back? And it, it's not, okay, let's not, oh, it didn't work last time. Yeah, we get that, okay? He he, he made it like a, a live-action soap opera. He tried to combine wrestling and um, football and make it real corny and have all kinds of inappropriate you know, cameras in the locker room. But that was back then when the WWE was the Attitude Era with, you know, Stone Cold drinking beers and half-naked women, all of the channels. It's a PG company now, right? So let's see what he does differently. But regardless of what he does differently, it doesn't matter if you can't get people to come, right? So where are they going to play? Are they going to play in these soccer stadiums around the nation? Because I think that that would be the They're going to play in... Soccer stadiums are going to play in Major League Baseball stadiums. Are going to play. I mean, they're going to play everywhere, really. So, where's the St. Louis team going to play? Edward Jones Dome would make sense, right? I believe so. Okay, in LA, LAFC. That's where I would put the team in the new soccer stadium right next to Coliseum. Only holds, you know, holds less than twenty thousand or around well, twenty thousand people. Find that out. We can find that out. I'm pretty sure that's been announced, but I'm not entirely sure. People don't like look listen, it's it's hard enough to get people to go to a like say for instance, we're talking about Tampa Bay, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Well it's it's an outdoor stadium in, in Florida where it's disgustingly humid all the time. I mean who really wants to sit outside in Florida and watch sports? Not me. Hold I've on. been there. It's, I gotta pause you disgusting. first. I have to read you this stuff. I'm on the LA the LA Wildcats page. Okay. I I have to read this to you. This is some of the funniest stuff I've ever read. This is on their front page. The Los Angeles Wildcats. In the land of bright lights, far from the flash and fame, they've already begun to prowl, enter their den, and be dominated, run away, and rip a- ripped apart. This is prime time meets primal instinct. This is showtime with a snarl. This is our time to roar. The LA Wildcats. Unleashed. February 2020. Oh, God. It sounds like <laughs> Pat Patterson wrote that. Or Jerry Briscoe, one of Vince's wrestling cronies that are like 70 years old, wrote that garbage. Come on, you Vince. Have to be, they're, they're playing at the StubHub Center, the, the, Dignity Health, the Dignity Health Sports Park. That's where they're playing. Yeah. there's. I mean, there's a lot of guys that you know don't work for Vince anymore because they're actually intelligent and they have good ideas of their own. And so they went to other wrestling companies and they're trying to build those up and, and – so they can do their own thing. Just because you're rich and successful doesn't mean you always have the best ideas. And I think that's where people get upset with Vince all the time. Guys like Vince, guys like Trump, very egomaniacs. I I, I know what's right. I know what's best. And I have the final say. Not a very good working environment for intelligent, free-thinking people. Well, I mean, it, it really depends on – there are people out there who are naturally brilliant – and the even and everybody's failed. Everybody has dumb, dumb things. I think what would concern me about the XFL at this point is they've failed this once. You divested millions of dollars out of your home company to try again, and, and you have a second chance to do it right. And the AAF showed that you could put decent football on the field as a minor team, as a minor league. They was horribly run. But they showed you could do it and do it in terms of quality well. You would think they learned from those mistakes. They would come up with high-quality logos and, and marketing. And it's a freaking – are you serious? The Wildcats, this is what you're going with? This is what yeah, you're going it, with. It's, it's going to fail. Who's gonna, it, it it's is. Gonna fail. It's going to fail because there's only enough room for one pro football league in this country. Period. I disagree. If you, if you build a spring league and you market it well and you don't try and compete with the NFL, if you try to complement the NFL, it can work. But it has to be done right. It has to be done 
with great marketing, with great foresight for the future, and you have to be able to attract fans that otherwise would find better things to do come springtime. Okay, I'll give you an example. So where are these fans? I'm going to use myself as an example. I don't watch any sport anymore except for football. I just don't care anymore. I I grew away from baseball. I watch baseball playoffs if the Dodgers and and Angels are in. Um, I'll watch basketball playoffs if the Lakers are in. And but I'm not. I don't watch regular season sports. Period of any of the other ones except for the NFL. At this point in my life, at 41 years old, I like honestly when the NFL season's over, I take a deep breath and I get my life back just for you know (laughs) for quite a few months, right? So if there's another football league that starts right away or even a month or so later, I ain't going, right? I just don't I don't want to. I'm not interested. I don't want to do that. And football is my favorite sport, and it's not even close, okay? So how you, if you can't get a guy like me out there, well, how are you going to get the average fan? Well, the, but the AAF did that for the first couple of weeks especially, okay? But their mistake, and the mistake that the XFL is making, besides the poor marketing, is actually kind of obvious. Don't put teams in cities that have NFL teams already. Well, yeah, that's common sense. That's, Too bad these rich why people would don't you have do any that? Why would so you, you mean to me? A couple of those cities that had AAF teams, like San Antonio, go put a team there. St. Louis, just fine. Put a team there. Uh, put, take it back to Birmingham. Take it back to. A couple of these other places that just don't have teams and go Columbus, Ohio. Why not? That's right in the middle of a football country area. You can play right there at Ohio State's campus. Why not do it? Why would you? Those are options you could make work and you stay away from those major cities to draw fans in if you provide good good. Good quality football. That's, it's not going to be great because it's not NFL quality. But quality football to kind of just keep people interested. These are, these are guys who might want to go in and signing free agent contracts after the season's over or being filtered into the NFL otherwise. Then it, it becomes interesting. But if you're going to have poor marketing and you're going to put teams in cities that already have teams, you tell no one from LA is going to go watch these games. No, dude. No. Nobody. Nobody, Nobody is. At first, you'll go to the first couple of games because it's something new and people like shiny new toys, right? But after a while, it gets a little bit of dirt on it and you throw it in the toy box and that's the end of that. Well, that and yeah. they're playing out in Carson. Why would you Why would you go do, go see a novelty out in Carson? You need to be closer to town. So, so they're going to be at the Galaxy Stadium, not LAFC. Correct. So why would you do that? Why would you do that? If you're trying to get a new product, why would you go outside of town? Go, go play it. I mean, I'm a Galaxy the fan. LAFC, LAFC is the most popular right now in Los Angeles. It's the most popular team at this very moment. Why wouldn't you play there? Does it make sense? Okay, so there you go, folks. There's our analysis of the coming failure of the XFL. It is going to bomb. I hope I'm wrong, by the way. I hope I'm wrong, but if you look, at, you, all you need to do is look at those emblems and laugh at them because you will for five seconds, and that will be the end of it. Okay, it is time for us to get going. We are looking for sponsors for this season. You can reach us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Don't forget that we are heading over to the Big, Big Heads Podcast. Now we're going to join their group over there, so start checking them out at bigheadsmedia.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk and find the group, Rams Talk Room. Hop in there. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Tommy at Rams Tommy in LA. Ram Tommy in LA. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those places. And with all that said, for Mike, sorry, geez, I'm on, I'm on crack cocaine tonight. For Tommy and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Apollo saying, take it easy. We're out of here.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.